Now, this morning, I'm going to bring you a message on this Memorial Day weekend that may be a little bit different, but I hope that you'll find it very, very relevant uh, and why I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to speak on this subject today. I'm entitling the message, Dealing with Anger. Dealing with Anger. Wars are started because people are angry with each other. That leads to a war. Divorces come because of anger. Firings come because of anger. Loss of friends come because of anger. We have to learn in this life to deal with this horrible sin of anger. And I want you to think, as I bring this message, as I thought of my own life, as to how this applies in my life as you decide how it applies in your life. And the same thing is true for those of you that listen or watch. The Scripture clearly teaches that when a person becomes a Christian, they are born again. Now, what that means is the old life is finished. Now there is a new life. Things that were in the past that are not right and caused us great misery need to be put under the blood of Jesus, dealt with, buried in the bottom of the sea, and remembered no more. And on the top of that list, anger would be right there. We are so angry. We are so upset so easily. We find it to just go off on a tangent because of our emotions. But Jesus was the greatest example of how to deal with anger. Jesus was one that was crucified, yet he spoke not a word. He was one that taught his children, I want you to be different. I don't want you to be filled with anger. I want you to be filled with joy and peace and love and an ability to forgive and to turn the other cheek. The teaching of God's Word, if you don't know this, is totally irrelevant to people that don't know Jesus Christ. They cannot handle the teachings of this book. But when you are born again, you will believe this book to be the inspired, inerrant, or infallible Word of God. Because when Christ moves into you, if you're born again, Christ moves in. We think as He thinks. We do what he commands us to do. We follow where he leads. And so as we go through this teaching this morning, I want you to remember a little verse in John chapter 3, verse 3. Are you ready for this? You must be born again. You must be born again. Anger will be a consistent problem in your life until you are born again. That which is in us at birth, crying soon, wanting our way quickly. But when you are born again, what does it say? Old things pass away and all things become new. How about learning how to, instead of get anger, get forgiveness? Where you learn how to forgive rather than rant and rave. If we could just think through that today, and I'm trusting you to do this with me, I'm going to take you on a trip through the Bible. I may not be able to use all the scriptures I have, but I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Listen to this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers or the listeners. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed, if you're born again, unto the day of redemption. Now listen carefully. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you and me. That's the scripture. For a believer, that changes your life. For a non-believer, well, that's good. I wish everybody else would live that way. Well, if you are a believer, you're to live that way. I'm to live that way. We are to get rid of anger. We're to put that in the hands of God. Let the blood of Jesus deal with all sin. When a person gets angry and makes you angry, then you sin. That's not the response of a born-again Christian. It's just not the response. The sin of anger takes away the blessing of joy. You hear me? Anger ruins your joy. Anger which is what makes your friends find it difficult to be around you because you have not learned to grow up. You have temper tantrums and you're 50 years old. Get over it. Well, I just can't. No, you can't except through Christ. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We have power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan, if he can make you mad, has got you under his control. That's just it. No exceptions. If you're one of those that you are known in your personality as being quick to fly off the handle, I'm not sure what that means, but I've heard it all my life. You're one of those that can just get mad at the drop of the hat. I mean, you get mad at a car wash, you know, because you drive out and there's a piece of mud somewhere and you just have a holy tantrum, you know, and your blood pressure goes up and you're making on your phone, you're calling the doctor, I need to come in, my heart's running away. Why don't you just wipe the mud off and understand it's going to come right back. That's what Houston is like if you've just moved here, all right? Just get used to it. But anger has removed from many people that are churchgoers and say they're Christians the greatest blessing of their life, and that is to learn to forgive. Jesus set the curve. He said, as I am, there, my children, you are to be also. Do you watch the news? Do you listen to the news? Do you know the news? Are you making the news? <laughs> Marriages are falling apart because of anger in many, many cases. Can't live together anymore. Politics, sports, business, 
murders, all of those things, they all come under anger. Check it out. What happens? People get upset with each other. They get mad at each other. That is the way wars start. Because there's not a people that can put that where God says put it, and that's in to his hands through his blood. Anger is not something to take lightly, folks. It's not something to rationalize. It's not something to laugh at. Anger is serious, serious stuff. And again, to the news every night, somebody got mad in Houston, Harris County. There's the police. There's the story. There's the crying. What happened? Somebody got mad. Somebody decided that they were going to deal with the problem that anger won't solve. And then we go about and say, well, I'm sure not going to change. Let them change. Anger is dealt with in, by the way, Old and New Testament, if that's a problem with you. Some people say, I like the Old Testament, I don't like the New. Uh, some say, I like the New, I don't like the Old. Well, it's in both. So it's in your part. And if you've got both of them, you really got a lot of stuff to work with. Because there's a lot of anger in the Old Testament and there's a lot of anger in the New Testament. But there's the same solution in both places. Let God be God. Amen. Take your burdens, which is anger, to the Lord and leave it there. Learn that you are not perfect and neither are your best friends. God has put in his word that, that anger is an emotion that leads to hostility. It leads to the downfalls of marriages, businesses, countries, and on and on we could go. But in the midst of all of that, We've got to understand that though a lot of it is, is kind of frivolous, getting mad. I mean, you know, people get mad at a baseball game, you know, eating a hot dog. And, and just because something happens, you know, and it just ruins it. This ruins the whole, the whole day for them. Well, that's trivial stuff. Honking your horn, you know, when somebody turns in front of you as you're driving down the freeway. Okay, 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 little, little kid. Keep on honking your horn, hooting your hooter or whatever. But why don't you grow up? Why don't you start life again with a new birth? Why don't you come to understand if you are dealing with angry and you are an angry person, you need to come talk to somebody about having a new life in Jesus Christ. Jesus sticks with you in the war or in peace. He said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Now, the world doesn't know what to do with their anger except hostility and all those other horrible things, divorces and on and on. But God says, I will take care of my kids if you will just understand that as I am, you're to be in this world. I remember a terrible thing that happened in Sagemont 40, 50 years ago, whenever we had our first flood. And we were one of two churches here in the community, our church and the Presbyterian church next door. And I can remember being called to a Sagemont house. And I went over to that Sagemont house, and it's when we had had that first flood that flooded so many of our houses that were built at that time. 
And I was called because there was a man laying dead in the den. And had walked out of the kitchen where the little step down is and stood at that point and just went stark raving mad with anger and dropped dead right in the water that had upset him. Now that's an extreme example, but that's where it leads to. Anger leads to death. It cuts years off your life. Read the medical books. It destroys your, your relationships in business. It certainly destroys a marriage and a home. And so anger has got to come under one of the number one things that all of God's children need to recognize. We have some of it in us. The devil sees to that. But we also have one that's told us how to deal with that anger. And if we deal with it in the way God wants us to deal with it, then good, good things happen. You see, when irritation becomes indignation, now you've got a problem. When you decide you're going to do more than just get mad and have a little pity party and nobody came to your party, so you've got to get more attention than that, and so you come up with something else you're going to do. Well, they'll be, they'll be sorry they ever said that to me. I'll tell you that right now in just a heartbeat. And you better not let your trash blow over my yard one more time. Because if you do that, I'm telling you, I'm calling the police. I mean, I'm going to ruin the whole day, not just a few minutes of just picking it up and putting it over my little trash bag. No, no, not this boy. I am going to have a fit. Let me tell you something. Save people get over that kind of stuff. You can pass that off. You can understand that's immature and almost immoral, but it is certainly a sin. The Bible says, get rid of your wrath. Every time I hear somebody say this, I, think, I just think I'll just give them a piece of my mind. I want to say it, but I don't. You need to keep all the pieces you got. You know, I, I've known them well enough to know they need everything they got. If they start giving away peace of their mind, they're in bad trouble, really bad trouble. <laughs> Could I tell you a secret when somebody makes you mad? Now watch this. This is really deep sermon, isn't it? <laughs> you don't have to respond to every criticism you get. You don't have to. You really don't. Every bad thing somebody, you really don't have to. Oh yeah, I'm going, that's your problem. If Jesus is not your example, you've got a problem. If you don't understand the life of Jesus, the cross, the trial, everything, Jesus was love. He did not go into the courtroom and act like the world. He was one who was perfect. We're not perfect, but we need to be, try to be like the one that is perfect and move ourselves to be more like Jesus. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like him. You remembering Acts eight thirty two, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. That's what we're talking about this morning. 
If you are a born-again Christian, you can handle this. If you're not, you cannot. You're going to be in the flesh until the day you die. You're going to live to a hundred, maybe, and you're going to die mad. Or you can look back at your life and say, you know what? I think I might have just joined the church and got baptized. I may not have really gave my life to Jesus. I may not have been born again because I've dealt with this continually. That's all I do is just fight and fuss, and everybody around me fights and fusses. It's a serious thought, but it's one that we must ponder until we get the victory. But you know something? You can get mad and refrain from, from sin. You can get mad and refrain from sin. You can get so mad, you can start praying for people that upset you. Yeah, you can do that. Christians can do that. He said, not me. That's the reason I'm telling you. You got to be born again. You've got to have the life of Jesus. You can't be a church member. I don't care whether you're a Catholic or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a charismatic or you name it. You got to be born again. And if you're not, this message is totally irrelevant for you to understand how to win the victory. When a follower of Jesus gets, gets mad, <clears throat> you know who we ought to get mad at? The devil. Not your brother-in-law. Not your brother. Not your sister or sister-in-law. Not your husband. Not your wife. Not the kids. Not your parents. It's the devil. That's who you need to get mad at. And you know a way to put him in his place? Sick the Lord on him. Amen. Yeah. Just get in a quiet place and shut the door and say, go get him. And when you get him, call me and I'm going to open the door and let the light back in here. But I'm going to just turn this situation over to you. And when the Lord takes over, guess who's going to win? He is, right? Amen. Amen. It's finished. Jesus is Lord, he is Lord. One who walks with God is a child of God. Should never get mad at God. We ought to get mad at Satan. It's okay to tell the Lord, I don't understand. I'm hurting. I, I am very conscious that my Blood pressure's up and all this kind of thing. But Lord, I just don't know what to do. You know what the Lord would tell you to do? When the altar is open, come to the altar. Yes. When the prayer room is open, go to the prayer room. Yes. When you're at home, get alone and take your burdens to the Lord yes. and leave them there. And when you do that, you make a giant step from your life of defeat to a life of victory. But God has got to be in the center of this. You don't do it in the power of your mind. You don't get things right by things you've done. You didn't get saved by what you did. You got saved because of the grace of God. It was a gift from God. What I'm talking about today, victory over anger is a gift from God. If you're willing to accept that gift. In the Old Testament, 
Anger is mentioned at least 18 times in the New Testament. Uh, I believe it's about 23 or 24 times that I was able to find it, and I imagine there's more, but there's at least that many. All through the times, you remember the, the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites. He called them snakes. He didn't call them backslidden Christians. He had some stronger words than that. But here's what the scripture said. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. To deal with it quickly, quietly, just you and the Lord. You don't have to go tell 15 people to pray with you about something that you're mad about. You take it to the Lord. Once it gets to the Lord, you can cut out the middle people. Don't look for sympathy from others. Look from victory from the Lord. Get to him as quick as you can. Stay there as long as you need to and go your way rejoicing. Every church experience ought to be a worship experience for us. As we have such great music at Sagemont, we have an opportunity to praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. And one of those blessings is forgiveness from the sin of anger. Another thing I want you to remember is that you do not give the devil an opportunity. You know how mad the devil can make you? He can make you so mad you're just like him. Do you hear that? He can make you so mad you're just like him. I'd just soon be around the devil. (laughs) You know, it's around you. And you can say the same thing about me if I was going to get angry. But God has said, listen, 1 John 4, 17, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is who? He. When he is in us, the world sees him in us. And they, they wonder, how can you stay so calm? Why, how do you keep from getting upset? And you don't even drink a little wine? You don't even drink a beer or two? You don't, you don't even drink some marijuana? No, I don't really know a whole lot about it. I do know I don't have to buy God a beer to, to spend time with me. I know that. I know that I can go to the quiet place and see the burdens lifted. When you get lonely, go to him. While you're asleep, he'll be watching over you. When you're awake, he will be with you. When you're riding, he's beside you. When you're at the office and it's a horrible day, get by yourself for a few seconds and say, Lord, would you guide me? It's two o'clock. Help me to stay here till five and get me home safely. You know what happens when we get under the power of the Holy Spirit? If you miss everything I say today, I want you to hear this. When we get under the power of the Holy Spirit, you know what people see? They don't see us. They see him. Now, they don't know that. But when you are acting like Jesus, they're seeing Jesus and they don't know it. They're seeing something in flesh and blood that forgives them when they know that you have reason to be all against them. But you forgive them. But we don't want them to see us, do we? We want them to see him. 
We want them to come to him. We're not going to babysit them the rest of their life. But the Holy Spirit will do that. But you have to do it his way. Well, if anger is a sin, is there any time you can justify anger? And my answer to you is, yes, there is. Anytime God's word or God's will is knowingly disobeyed by God's people, it's time to deal with this. Let me read that to you again. When God's word and God's will are knowingly disobeyed by God's people, we got a problem. And all the time, all of the time, we are rationalizing. We're trying to fight our way through this. You remember how Moses got mad through an absolute fit in Exodus chapter 32, verses 19. Listen to this. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp, he saw the calf, the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands, and he broke them beneath the mount. And then in verse 22, and Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. You know the people that they are set to mischief. Moses' assistant had to tell Moses, you know these people. You know how they get angry. You know how they act sometimes. But God is still there. God is going to see it through. Every time We have to handle any sin, lust, selfishness, greediness, anytime. If we can just have that refreshing moment of saying, dear God, I'm up over my head. Would you tell me, Lord, what would you have me to do? When you do that, God can then take over. I've got a question for you. Do you think that the God who loves his children will allow us to disobey him and not discipline us for our own good? I had parents like this. I'm doing this for your own good. Yeah. Well, I wish you'd do it for somebody else's good. <laughs> well, listen to me seriously. God never, never, never disciplines his kids if it's not for your good. That may be a relationship breaking up. That may be a change of job. That may be a time when the things in your life, in every direction you go, there's going to have to be some changes made. But God, when he says, don't, when he gives his Ten Commandments, they're not suggestions. They're not the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten Commandments. And he says, you obey me. And if you don't obey me, then we're going to have to have a talk. And we're going to have to, have to get this right. And by the way, if you've ever had a debate with God, and most of us have, he always wins. You know, you're almost wasting your time. If God clearly says, thou shalt not, and you say, I want to talk about it, he said, I haven't got time for your appointment. <laughs> he said, I made it real clear. I gave you only 10. 
Only 10. Read them. And do what they say. And call me back later. And you know what? When you do what God tells you to do, you don't have to call him back and ask him what. You just call him back to praise him. Thank you, Lord. The burden's lifted. The relationship's been restored, maybe. Or maybe it broke up for the right reasons. But our anger can be justified when God's enemies assume positions of jurisdiction outside of their rights. Folks, it's okay to get mad about someone's political position on abortion. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Now, it's not politics, folks. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you what God says. God says, whether they're a politician or a preacher or anybody else, don't touch my little ones. My children, he says, are the greatest in the kingdom of God. You say, well, if I've had an abortion, I, am I going to go to hell? Hey, you take your burden to the Lord and you leave it there. God forgives sinners. My sin is one thing, yours is another. But the thing is, abstain from all appearance of evil. The, is confess your sin. Don't argue your sin. Confess your sin if God's word says it. And then pick up the blessing bag and go with God and see what God does. See what God had planned. Follow him. That's what the scripture says. In Isaiah 5, 20, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. There's more to that scripture. Time will not allow me to read it. Let me tell you what it says. God says, if you'll go to my word, if you can't find a scripture on something you're dealing with, there are those that can help you. That's what a church staff is for. That's what an older Christian brother or sister is for. But here's where the answer comes from. It doesn't come from the 10 o'clock news. It doesn't come from the rally. It comes from heaven. And God tells us what we're to do. We need to pray for one another. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those that, that we agree with or we don't agree with. Lift them up to the Lord and say, God, do whatever you need to do here. Do what you need to do here. Do what you need to do here. But God, we want your way. Bring to pass your way in our life. And when that comes, good, good things begin to happen. There's unjustified anger in, in the elder brother. You remember that story, the prodigal son's brother? He was jealous. He got mad at his brother. He got mad at his father. That's not justified anger. When things don't go your way and you get angry, that's not justified anger. Talk to Jonah when you get to heaven. I wish I'd go into that story for you. But you, you, you can't get your way because God's way is higher than your way. 
you got to come up here because he's not going down there. He's taking you to higher ground, not to the lower ground. He is, he is never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you as long as you follow him. But when you choose to do what most of your friends will do, to reject him and go with them, you're headed for a life of misery, both now and in the life to come. Jonah didn't want a revival. He wanted war. You know what we need to be praying for in America? Not for any political party, not for any race. We need to pray for revival in this country. That is the only thing and the only hope for any nation to survive is to go with God and find out what God's up to. Get mad at sin. Don't get mad at your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Get mad at sin. Fall in love with Jesus and follow him forever and forever and forever. You know what God wanted? He wanted us to keep the main thing, the main thing. You know what the main thing is for a church? To get people saved. Yes, it is. It's a great commission being organized. Where everything we do with the children here today, the teenagers here today, the young adults today, the married adults, the single adults, the senior adults, the middle-aged adults, you know what it's all about? To make sure that those people have at least one opportunity in their life to hear that Jesus loves them. This we know, for the Bible tells us so. We're going to have 2,000 here for Bible school, not this week, but the next week, 2,000. Many of those children, many, have never, ever heard about Jesus. Yes, it's Houston. If you're watching on TV, this is Houston. And a lot of people don't know anything about Jesus. But we can start with a child. But since most of us are not children anymore, what about us? What about adults? If you're still having problems when you go to restaurants and getting mad, you go to the store and somebody gets you a parking place. And goodness, help when you go to the big store and you're trying to adjust your groceries and somebody gets in front of you, oh, God have mercy on them. <laughs> That's such a serious thing. You'll probably save 50% on your grocery bill if you're looking at stuff that you got that you don't need, all right? That may be God just procrastinating you to bless you financially. You never know, all right? You get mad when somebody gets the job you're wanting? Oh, no, 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 I don't get mad. Mm -mm. That's good, you're saved. What if you do? You need to get saved. You need to get right with God. Well, God didn't bless me, bless them. Well, be happy for their blessing. That's what Christians do. Jesus died for us, folks. He didn't die for him. Jesus, if you think Jesus died on the cross in order he can go to heaven, you don't know the Bible at all. Jesus died on a cross... And he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And the father said, it isn't possible. He said, your will be done. He went to the cross. We get to go to heaven. But the way to heaven is the way of the cross. And the way to truth is to know the truth. That's Jesus. The way to do the, the truth is to follow him and get as many friends as you can. And this is where church comes in. We get together as believers 
where we bring our different spiritual gifts together, our different backgrounds together, our different races together, our different economics together. We all get together, but the focus is not on any of us. The focus is on him. And as long as we follow him, we're going to do just fine. Just fine. Remember this, and I'm through. My beloved Dixon Murrah, those of you that might have worked at NASA, he was one of the leaders out there until God called him into ministry. And he taught over 1,300 ministers here at Sagemont that we brought in from all over the world, literally. But he has four words that I'll remember every day of my life. I have since I heard them. I know them now, and I'll know them when I'm dying, if I've got any intelligence at all. Are you ready? Hurt people hurt people. That's it. Hurt people hurt people. You got it? That person that's been a thorn in your flesh, they're hurting. They don't need you to pop them in the nose. They're already hurting. That's why they can't control themselves. Hurt people hurt people. But when you get to the Lord and God saves you and transforms you, then he lives in you. And when you're about to hurt them, God says, let me handle this. And you know, you give him about two situations, you'll let him have all the rest. Because it's amazing, isn't it? How God can take our problems and make them our blessings. It's wonderful when you see somebody once you hated and now you loved because now you're brothers and sisters in Christ. But it all has to do with understanding it takes two people to argue. Don't be one of them. Take it to him. Turn it over to him. Let go and let God.